You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking about surrendering dreams of perfection for a life of fulfillment in Jesus. And, you know, as someone who has adopted seven kids, um, I have surrendered perfection a long time ago, um, but I am so thankful to be talking to our guest today, and I'll tell you a little bit about her. Meg Apperson is a blogger, a homeschooling mother, and a pastor's kid. She and her husband, Cody, live in North Carolina with their four children. Meg is a passionate lover of words, an advocate for medically fragile children, and inspiring, inspiring minimalists. And you can learn more about her and her family at four fine lives at.com, which will have all those links in the show notes. But first of all, welcome Meg. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here. And I'm trying to think it must be at least a couple years ago. I think I connected with you, or I found you. I don't know. We've really connected, but I found you on Instagram and just kind of follow your life and all you're doing. And you have a new book talk about um, just the surrounding those dreams of perfection. And the title is Sky full of stars. So I'm excited to talk about the book and your life. But for those who may not be familiar, can you just give us an overview of just your family? Yeah. So you kind of covered a little bit of it in the intro. Um, my name is Meg and I'm married to my husband, Cody, and we have four kids. I have a, an almost 12-year-old, six-year-old, five-year-old, and then the baby is almost two. And we we are very, very busy um, I wrote the book because we, our third child, a daughter named Avery, was born with some very unexpected, severe birth defects. Mm-hmm. And I had been blogging a little bit prior to her birth, you know, just miscellaneous things, just frivolity. I just thought, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I could just write about anything. You know, we were homeschooling and, you know, life was so sweet and predictable and everything I'd pictured it would be. And then, you know, we had this this baby and everything um, just exploded. And, you know, the book is just about that journey to where we are now. We added a little surprise baby <laughs> a couple years ago. And um, yeah, that's where we are now. We we took a break from homeschooling for a time after my daughter Avery was born. And, and then we started back up about two years ago once she was really stable and I was able to be at home more with, with my, you know, my children who were school age and so that's what we're, that's what we're doing now. Just that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with, um, you know, I had three kids that I raised to adulthood and then we adopted seven and my, their special needs are minor. You know, we have dyslexia. One of them has an autoimmune disease. So there's mm-hmm. medical visits. Um, but I just put like yesterday on my Facebook, I'm like, my job today is case manager. because yeah. <laughs> There's all these appointments. There's all these therapists that we're dealing with. And with my kids, because there's six of them still at home, then all of them have different therapies and stuff. It's probably 20 to 25 hours a week of therapies. It really just is. Just for the mm. very kids. And then I know with 
uh, your daughter, I mean, it's this whole world that we never expected. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, you know, you're kind of going on with your life and you realize like there's a whole world out there um, that I didn't even know existed. And so just talk about a little bit about that, about um, just how things changed. But also, I know you, you talk a lot about how God, Jesus is there for you, even in these strivings for perfection that, that, that never really result in things going as we planned. Yeah, that striving for perfection really never goes anywhere. <laughs> you know, no, like the, no. <laughs> there is no end game. There is no goal. You know, it's just like this this black hole of striving and striving and striving and nothing happens. Yeah. There was a whole world that just wasn't on my radar. You know, mm-hmm. I I had two um, you know, kind of traditionally abled children and you know, every I just had never anticipated that our life would, would turn the way it did. And, um, yeah. So after Avery was born and Avery has very, very complicated medical needs, you know, basically from head to toe, her, her body is impacted by this, you know, Mm -hmm. this syndrome or disease that she has. And so, you know, just our first introduction to the NICU was just this eye-opening experience of, you know, this kind of suffering was never on my radar. You Mm -hmm. know, the fact that we lived, you know, kind of serendipitously about an hour and a half from a major children's hospital in our state was just, you know, they were all so close and the suffering was so profound and it was just not anything that I had realized, you know, it just did not touch my life. And so we, you know, we started in the NICU with her and just just that basic level of like children born so prematurely, it was like, oh my gosh, there is a whole world. There is a whole community of people that I have, I have just never thought of, you know, that I have never thought to serve. I have no idea what this is like. I have no idea how they've lived. And then we kind of transitioned to, you know, she, she would, you know, get a G tube and a trach and eat a ventilator. And then, you know, she'd be inpatient for, for different procedures. I don't even know how many procedures she's had done now. And we're talking like major skull reconstructions, brain surgeries. The surgeon just cut off her cerebellar tonsils um, last week, which is just, I mean, we're cutting off parts of her brain. It is, it is just, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. And so then, you know, as time went on and really I was, I was blogging about our life before. And then once Avery was born, I was just blogging to, to let our friends and family know what was going on with her. And it was, it was very it was a very efficient way of communicating. So I was not writing for what I thought was going to be an audience. And my blog just blew up. Mm-hmm. And people were messaging from all over the world and we, you know, at one point it was just hundreds of hundreds of thousands of readers on this blog and and I realized that there was even more community than what was just, you know, what I was seeing just in the hospital. There were there were people whose children had autism and all types of, you know, behavioral things and um, you know, other heart conditions and they had, they were walking similar things that we were walking. And I just realized how, how broad and beautiful this community was. And a lot of times it was because they were reaching out to me. And sometimes there were people that I would find on Instagram. I know there was a little girl who I, who I found first. She was such a gift to me. I think I looked up the hashtag like trach baby. Avery mm-hmm. had just gotten a trach. And so I found this mom and she would post the most beautiful, joyful pictures of her little girl who had a trach. And it was like this light bulb went off in my head. Like 
this is not doom and gloom. This can really be a beautiful, purposeful, just lovely life that Avery can lead. And really watching this mom walk out her journey is what gave me the perspective and the encouragement to say, you know what, there is a lot of hope here. We can do this. We, you know, this will be fine. And so, um, you know, people found me that way and reached out Mm -hmm. and I found other people that way. And, and I am, I am just so grateful to, to be a part of, of this community, to witness this kind of, this kind of power and joy and resilience, you know, beyond what are happening in people's circumstances. You know, I just get to witness that in so many people's lives. And, and, um, you know, I, I would never go back to the perspective that I used to have. I am, I am just, I mean, I wish Avery did not have to suffer. I I would change all that, but I am so, so grateful to, to have been able to be a witness in, in this kind of community. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And what I love about, I'm trying to remember, I think someone was talking about you. Anyway, I don't remember how I found you on Instagram, but there's so much personality in her photos. I mean, (laughs) she's just, I love, I like this one I'm looking at now. She had a little hands on her hips. I mean, just, it's just so. The sass is out of this world. (laughs) Yeah. And I I love how, you know, because I think people think kids with special needs, it's like, they're just, they don't see them as like having these personalities and Mm. having this joy. And there's these other parts of life and you have given us a glimpse into that in such a beautiful way that it's like, Oh yeah, I could totally see this personality coming out of this little person. And I think that's what people appreciate. And then, you know, there's the messages too. So there's this photo, of course, that's going to capture our attention, but then you're offering hope and you're offering encouragement. And um, like me, we, we live about, 25 minutes from a children's hospital and our daughter that has autoimmune disease was having to do infusions um, mm. monthly and we're so it's, but it's right there it's so close I'm so thankful but going in that unit where she's getting her infusions for her autoimmune disease there's kids with cancer there's mm. kids with all these and I'm like we are so thankful and I had no idea this was here like we drive yeah. by the highway I don't even know how many hundreds of times I've driven by not even thinking of who's inside and what they're facing and what's going, you know, what they're, the parents are dealing with, what the kids are dealing with. Um, and to step inside and see mm. these beautiful teenagers getting, um, you know, chemo. And I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is a whole new world. And I love that, you know, even though things were hard and challenging and they continue to be hard and challenging for you and for Avery, that you are giving so much hope to other people and they have someone that they can look to and like, okay, I could look at this picture. I could cry a little bit for our situation, but then I could say, okay, it's okay. We could have hope here. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. So, um, and I know, you know, you talk about, um, you know, just trusting in God, but I would love to hear even some of your story, your backstory, you know, before you even had kids and stuff, how did things that impacted you in the past um, help or, or maybe stir up things from, what you have already gone through. Yeah. So I was raised, um, Christian. My dad is a pastor. He still is. And he was when I was little. And so I always had, you know, a relationship with God. I, I think probably for a lot of my childhood, I kind of piggybacked off of my parents' relationship. And Mm -hmm. so I think for a lot of kids, you know, people who are raised, um, Christian, there's like a, a time where you kind of have to decide, you know, how much of your relationship is, is your own personal experience and how much of it is 
something that you've kind of inherited. And it's a beautiful thing to inherit. Do not get me wrong. You just have to kind of decide at some point, you know, like what, what is my, my own theology? What makes sense to me? How do I wrestle with my faith, you know, as, as a grown up, not just as, as a child who is just absorbing what they're being, Mm -hmm. what they're being taught. And, you know, I, I had, um, some challenging experiences as a young person. Um, I have a a history of, of sexual abuse and assault. And so that, and I did not tell anyone, um, until I was an adult. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of, of private wrestling that, you know, looked like my trying to reconcile what I thought faith was with what was happening in my life that I wasn't that I hadn't revealed to anyone and then trying to decide where God fit in with all that. And it's so interesting when you isolate yourself, you know, and you are keeping your mouth shut about things that are happening or have happened. You have no perspective to know the truth, you know, because when you keep it to yourself, your brain is doing all of the, the narrative creating, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so it, it was, it was really tricky. And so over time, Um, I was in a very abusive relationship for very many years, a very long time. And, um, and on the outside, the relationship looked fine and and no one would have known. And, um, but it was, it was pretty devastating. And, you know, over time, the narrative that, that I'd spun in my head was that God wasn't trustworthy, Mm -hmm. you know, that he had allowed this and, and how could he, and, and really it, it, became a big issue after I had my first child, my oldest son, a Max. Um, you know, I had a bit of, I didn't realize it was postpartum depression um, and, or maybe more like postpartum anxiety. I did not realize it. And so I just had this, this kind of unearthing of this sense that, you know, if he, if God didn't protect me, why do I think he's going to protect my son? Hmm. And so it looked like just, you know, debilitating anxiety. I became like obsessed with, um, law and order special victims unit, you know, that show. And so yeah. I would, I would just binge watch it to get like a leg up on how to protect my son. If that makes sense. It, it, it probably doesn't because it was not rational. <laughs> well, I think and these are the things um, that like in our mind, we're just trying to keep ourselves safe and protect yeah. ourselves. Like, and the ways we do that are so extremely different. Even I could see with our kids that we adopted for foster care, like the way they handle situations um like a surprise trip this weekend all of a sudden people are feeling unsafe and I didn't even think about that I'm like hey we're having a surprise trip yeah this is not how I was planning my weekend I'm upset about this and so it doesn't always have to make sense I just want to confirm you know affirm you that sometimes in our efforts to keep ourselves safe or it's because of those things in the past but we have no idea that it's impacting how we deal with things now yeah and it seems normal you know that you know your way of coping seems like reality seems like Mm -hmm. the right Mm -hmm. way to do things and so you know, I, I just didn't even realize what was happening. And so at that point, I just decided that, you know, if God wasn't trustworthy, then I wasn't sure that this was for me. And so in my early 20s, and it had kind of been building, you know, I would say probably right. from 13 to 20, I just had the sense of like, I'm going along with this, but I don't know that it 
that it makes sense to me. And it's so ironic because I'm like, you know, I was mad at God, which just affirms that I did believe he existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hello, you can't really be like, I, I don't believe in you anymore because I'm mad at you. And you go, well, you, you do still believe in him if you're mad at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, at, at 20, I think I was 20. I had my son two weeks after I turned 19 and I was married at the time. And, um, you know, I just had a, a crisis that looked like, you know, I just like lit a match and, and set it to my life and really everything imploded and, um, you know, got a divorce and, you know, was a single mom for a few years. And, and finally in the process of, of blowing my life up, people were like, what, what is happening? Why are you doing this? Like, who are you? We don't know you to be this. And it was, you know, I, I went to counseling and, um, finally told a counselor for the first time when I, well, and I had been maybe slowly revealing the story to other counselors because I'd been in counseling since I was a teenager for, you know, for other issues. And, um, I guess every, the counselor, this professional, you know, was able to kind of piece together like, Oh my word, what? Like there is so much more here than, you know, was obvious to everybody. And so, that kind of started the train of, of healing. Like once people knew what had happened, you know, I wasn't alone in my, in my web spinning in my mind anymore, you know? And so once other people could speak in and, you know, I could begin this, this healing process, I really was able to kind of untangle my soul and my beliefs from this from this dark web that I'd created to protect myself, you know, and to isolate myself and to keep things secret so that no one else would get in trouble or so no one else would get hurt. And, um, you know, I kind of had to do that faith wrestling for myself. You know, after Avery was born, I had decided, you know, before before Avery was born, long before that, you know, I, I did truly believe in God and that I did think he was trustworthy or I thought I believed that. And before she was born, I just felt like, you know, the Lord had said to me maybe about a year before she was born, like, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. And I had thought like, yeah, like you, you know me, like we just walked out this you know, huge, crazy thing. I've been through a lot of pain in my life. Like, yeah. And, um, and he just kept asking me that. And I was, I was a little concerned at one point, like, what are you getting at? Like, sure. I trust you. Just don't mess with my kids. That was my thing. I'd say over and over, like, yes, I trust you. Just don't mess with my kids. And at first it was a joke, like, you know, I just feel really strongly about my kids. Like I was remarried at that point. Um, I think my oldest son was maybe four when, when we got married and, and then we, you know, had a daughter and then had Avery. And so, you know, it had been a, a sweet, a sweet ride for a few years up until then. And, and then Avery was born and I really, really, really had to confront, um, really once and for all did I trust God? Did I really mm-hmm. trust God even with what was most precious to me, which at the time, you know, I did not realize I had made a tiny idol out of motherhood and out of my children. And so what was, what I held most dear, cause I'd already lost relationship. I had lost, you know, respect and reputation in, in seasons earlier in my life. And I, I'd never had to say, yes, God, I trust you with my kids. I could trust him with anything else, but it was finally like, you know, he had just kind of tapped me on, on my shoulder and said, I, I'm going to need you to be willing to surrender everything. And that was what I just call awful grace, you know, mm. excruciating, very necessary, so stinking painful. 
And so that, you know, that's, that's really a main theme of my book is, you know, surrender about that. I had to learn, you know, from years of, of just keeping my mouth shut about some of the things that had been happening when I was younger, you know, not advocating for myself, really just self-betrayal, you know, for the purpose of trying to, to not rock the boat, to keep everybody Mm -hmm. happy, you know, Mm -hmm. to, you know, I felt like if I can handle all this, I'll suffer it as long as no one else is, is being hurt by it, which is never how things work out. Right. <laughs> you know, right. when you're hiding things, you're never the only person who's getting hurt, you know? So, uh, you know, I had to learn after Avery was born, how to, how to rock the boat, how to advocate, you know, and it, it was so, you know, it was so dire at, at times for her, it was literally life and death. And so I had to come to a place where it was like, I have to trust that God can handle it when I rock the boat in, in my circumstance, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that he has my back and that really, you know, the Lord isn't looking for me to please people. You know, it's that he, he just wants me to be honest, you know, painfully honest with what's going on, less concerned with, you know, my fear of man and more concerned with my fear of him, which at times, you know, looked like, having to stand up to, to doctors and say, no, this is wrong. You have to do something. I can't leave here until you've made this right. And several times it, it literally saved her life. And, you know, that was something that I, I couldn't have done as a teenager or a child. I just wasn't prepared for it. So, you know, there was so much about my history that having Avery, made me confront, made me finally take a stand on, you know, how do you speak the truth in love and not worry about how the boat gets rocked, how the people respond to you, whether they think that you're pushy or aggressive or whatever that looks like. And, and then just ultimately deciding, you know, like if all of this goes away, is Jesus enough? If, if I lose it all, if, if he takes my kids is Jesus still enough? You know, even if, if no good comes out of it, there was a point where, you know, I had been blogging all this time and, and people would reach out and say they were, there was so much hope, you know, they were getting hope. They were feeling encouraged. They were feeling all these things. And so for a long time, that became something that I held on to, which is, you know, I could do anything as long as good is coming from it. You know, there was just this obsession with purpose there, you know, like we're all suffering, but people are being helped. And so that's all that matters. And so I finally had to come to a place as, you know, where it was like, is Jesus enough, even if no one is helped, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you were on an island by yourself and suffering, like, like your family is suffering, and no one ever saw and no one was ever helped. And no one ever reached out to you and told you that your story blessed them. Would Jesus still be enough? Would you still want to suffer well? And, you know, that looked like I just stopped posting for several months to say, you know, it was part of really the grief journey. You know, I was, I was holding on to purpose so hard because I didn't want to finish grieving, you know, to the end of you just confronting really the darkness of it. I, I was so concerned with finding the silver lining all the time that yeah. sometimes you just have to sit with the pain, you know, yeah. and not, not try to grasp the silver lining. And so that kind of looked like kind of the end of, of, I would say the end, the end of the initial grief journey. How about that? <laughs> because it's we'll, still we'll go there. Yeah. You yeah. know, there are always levels that you uncover as you go along. Like, oh, I hadn't even thought that this was going to be something that would, that would hit me so deeply, you know, watching Avery suffer the way she has. So, 
so yeah, hopefully that answered your question. That was yeah. quite a long-winded way of saying <laughs> no, all that. <laughs> Do you trust God? Can he be trusted? Meg Apperson, author of Sky Full of Stars, says yes. Her memoir reveals how faithful God is, how he has a purpose for our pain and suffering, and how we can trust him, even with life's smallest details. Pick up Sky Full of Stars wherever books are sold. But it's so good because, I mean, there's so many things going in my mind. First of all, you know, talking about the grieving thing. And mm. because I think we set up in our mind, um, like, okay, with me even, like, okay, we're going to adopt all these kids, but look at their good lives. They're going to be changed. And I'm going to be able to help adoptive parents. Oh, and, yeah. you know, all, all the things is like, okay, because I'm always, I love helping people and reaching yeah. out. But there's been the points I've been, like, bawling on my floor. And, like, this is hard. And this hurts. And... <laughs> I just had a teen blow up in my face when I'm just trying to help her, you know, I, yeah. and it's okay to like grieve. And there's even times like, God, you knew all this pain mm. was coming and you still put it on our heart so strongly to adopt. Like I'm mad at you right now. Because, yeah. Like, wait, you, know, you did this. this. <laughs> not, yeah. Like you put it in our hearts and like you connect us and this hurts in this moment. And I've seen how like our other kids sometimes get hurt from, you know, different kids acting out. And I'm like this, I don't understand this, but it's okay to sit there. Like God's not going to be like, I can't believe you just said you're mad at me right now. I know. You know. It's it's okay to sit in that and it's okay to express that. And there's been times like, because I always, I mean, I've written a book on calming angry kids and I wrote a book on not grumbling. And sometimes we have grumbling and anger in our home. And I'm like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. why did I, why did I even write books <laughs> about those things? Like this was so Oh dumb. my gosh. I totally and, relate to that. <laughs> like clearly in my mind, I felt God saying like, you don't always have to help people all the time. Like just mm. live your life without trying to sum it up in three points that someone else can walk away with I'm like oh okay <laughs> like we'll do that we'll do that today you know and so and it's not easy and we'll have bright spots and dark spots and let's you know right now we're going to a really hard season with one of our kids and mm. it's okay like yeah. it's okay God is still there he is still faithful um yeah and he and, made us human you know yeah. like our humanity is not a surprise to him you know it's it's part of the design. And so I felt like in times where I was a little afraid because, you know, I was upset, like wrestling with faith or like, God, I cannot reconcile your goodness with, with what I'm seeing. You know, Avery has a trach and she was on a ventilator. Mm -hmm. So at, at our children's hospital, there's a floor that's specifically for children, you know, with airway struggles who are followed by a, a pulmonary team. And it's on the same floor as the, on the, you know, the, the oncology unit for children, the pediatric yeah. oncology unit. And we spent a lot of time there and that was probably the heaviest mm -hmm. experience. I mean, some of our ICU experience has been pretty heavy too, just because a lot of times there are children with cancer, you know, in the rooms flanking Avery's. And so you just can't be in that space without this deep sense of, of reverence, you know, for the life that's lived in those halls for the, for the words that are heard in those rooms, you just walk into it. Like I, it's just so heavy. It's mm -hmm. so, so heavy. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, God, I cannot reconcile your goodness and your kindness and your mercy with what I'm seeing in this unit. It yeah. is just, it is just, I, I don't really have a word to describe it. I know yeah. probably a lot of other people who have spent time in those units will 
will say the same. And, and, you know, we weren't there for cancer. So it was just like, gosh, I'm just here because my kid has a trach and these people around me are, are suffering in a way that is just so, so extreme, you know, like Avery and I have not suffered. And, and, you know, just wrestling with that question, you know, I can't reconcile this, please help me understand. And I felt the Lord say to me once, and it was a really hard thing. It was kind of a light bulb moment, but I still had to work through it a little bit, which is just that he said, you know, um, you are not more merciful than I am. You know, Mm -hmm. in my wrestling with, you know, you're so good and you're so kind and you're so merciful. And yet how can this be happening? You know, just that idea that I'm not more merciful. What's mercy in my mind is not mercy in the economy of God. You know, that, that I felt like I needed to wrestle with this idea that, you know, pain and suffering was happening and how could God be a part of it? He was just like, you don't need to wrestle with that. <laughs> like, yeah. That is not your place. So, you know, just, there's just so That's much. A good word right there though. Like I'm totally contemplating that right now. <laughs> this is my life. I'm like, oh my word, that is so good. Girl, there is so, so much there too. Cause when you mix some of those good qualities like mercy or, you know, justice or all those things that we feel, we can feel righteous about when you mix that with pride, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I am merciful. And so the pride is, you know, my idea of mercy is what is true mercy. And then we, we are in a dangerous space. You know, even when we say I'm really justice oriented. And so my version of justice is biblical justice. That does not always line up. Right. So that idea of like, oh my gosh, the way my pride works out, even in, in qualities that are that I would say are good, godly qualities, you know, ways that our personality was crafted by God that is good and and wholesome is still once it gets once it touches that little that little pride ship, you know, even the good stuff can can lead us down down uh wrestling that is not is not a place for us to wrestle, I guess, if that makes this sense. This is so preaching to me right now because I'm, you know, because <laughs> we adopted, especially our older girls we adopted when they were, the youngest was 11, the oldest was 15. Oh, wow. And the man, the stuff they lived through and more yeah. stuff comes up and then you think they're good and then something else and then they'll act out and then you find out more and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, this is too, too much. But I'm like, oh my God, if this is me being prideful, like, God, why didn't you stop this? Because I would have stopped mm, this. Yeah. Oh, my word. Okay. So preaching to me right now. I'm gonna be wrestling with this like all weekend. I still am. I still am. It's like a years, you know, just a very long process of having to confront, you know, that idea that I'm merciful, but you know, I only am when it's up next to biblical. Yeah, this is so good. And I'm actually writing a novel right now on Miriam. Um, oh good oh my goodness so, yeah so it was, it was actually due it's not it's not turned in yet but I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting there but it's so funny because I'm like these people are suffering and even when the plagues first came the Israelites had them too like I you know mm. I knew some of them were separate and like halfway through he separated them but they still had the frogs they still had the 
Blood River. They still had the Nats that was in Goshen, too, which I didn't even realize until you actually have to write a novel about it. <laughs> and then you're like, really having to pay attention? Yes. Now you're the expert. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, why are you letting these people suffer? Like you sent yeah. Moses and then they don't have any straw and then they're getting beat and they've already been in bondage for 400 years. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm my character. I might go back and weave some of, this, some of these questions in. I might yeah. have to write a note note to Meg in the okay this made me think a little bit deeper here but it's so true we're like we're like why God why God um Mm. and that is a pride thing if we're thinking that we're we would have a better answer than what he has oh my gosh that's so good (laughs) that is so good I'm like I have so many things we could talk about but I'm just like so just like on this topic right now um but that, that that was really good it made me think about yesterday I was listening to a sermon in a car in the car and um John eleven forty two, um it's Jesus talking when they took the stone away from Lazarus and he said, um, he's praying out loud. He says, You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. And I'm like, just that whole like Jesus saying, God hears us, God hears me, God hears you, but I'm just saying it again to remind you that God for hears us. And yeah. For our benefit. Um and so this is the whole thing, like God is going to receive glory even out of these hard, hard things. But we have to keep saying it. We have to keep praying out loud. We have to keep pointing others to him, mm. even in the midst of the hard stuff. Oh, yeah. That's so good. That is good. Oh, that's speaking to me. I go back and <laughs> forth about, you know, Instagram. It, it's sometimes really hard, even having a blog, you know, just sharing my family, especially my mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. publicly. Sometimes that feels very, very scary. And yeah. I have wanted to close up shop. I don't know how many times like, Lord, just take this from me. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, be known by people on this level. And I've never felt like you released me from it. And so, you know, just recently with Avery's last surgery, you know, the messages that people would send me about the things they were going through and how, you know, hearing Avery's story and seeing how beautifully she suffers um, you know, with just, I mean, she really, she is extraordinary. Avery Mm -hmm. is really, really extraordinary as just as a human. And, you know, hearing that is, it helps me kind of get over the hump sometimes of just being like, Oh, I don't want to do this. And then God really does receive glory. And really that's all we're here to do, you know, is have a relationship with him and glorify him in our lives, however that looks. So just what you just said about that verse. Hmm. And and really that it is in this time of history that God is, I mean, I'm a homeschooling mom I'm with all these kids, <laughs> like, hmm. and maybe something I could share can help someone somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, you know, years ago there would have been an Instagram where you know Avery story had happened then that people would would be blessed by her life right it's just like God just put this in us in this unique time in history where Mm -hmm. we can just share about him even through our hard stuff and I think that truly is where people can connect with um you know I remember for years and years I've been my first book came out in 99 and years and years before that lots of rejection because I was just like 
just paint this perfect picture of life and encourage people without really sharing any pain. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. When I, you know, my first novel was about the Holocaust. My first nonfiction book was about me being a teen mom at 17 and encouraging teen moms. It's like once I started like opening it up and sharing my pain, that's where you impact people. Yeah. So that's where, you know, Avery's story, your story, mine's story, my kid's story, as hard as it may be in some days. Um, you know, we're wondering like if this story is even going to turn out good. <laughs> Some yeah. days I'm like, oh my gosh, is this child ever going to make a good decision? <laughs> I do not know, but God will be glorified he will. through those stories. Oh, you're so, that's that, you know, that we are here in this really unique time where we're able to glorify God while, while being at home, you know, and mm-hmm. I, people were, you know, just not publicly, you know, I'm right. I was homeschooled by my mom. She had eight kids and and there, no one knew publicly all the work and the toil and the sacrifice that she was doing privately. I kind of wish they had Instagram. She never would have been on it, but I kind of <laughs> wish the world could have witnessed witnessed her motherhood. And I guess now they can see the result of it because we're all, you know, grown up. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm probably the least grown up, but the rest of them are all good, all doing well. But yeah, just that, you know he gives us these stories. He gives Mm -hmm. us these experiences and puts us right where he wants us in time, you know, kind of like a nod to Esther, you know, for such a time as this, we are here right now for such a time as this. Mm. So good. Oh my goodness. I just feel like we can talk about this all day. I feel like we need to write a book. What's going on? I know. I'm like, what? (laughs) This is so good. Oh, okay. So let's go. Let's circle back around to sky full of stars. Let's do it. Um, Yeah. For, for someone who's saying, okay, this Meg's story sounds amazing and I'm going to totally go follow her on Instagram and I just want to see Avery and love on her from afar. Mm. Um, how do you hope this book can really impact people in a new way with your story, like all together there in a book? Yeah. So the book is much more personal than anything I've mm-hmm. ever shared on Instagram. I cover things like how, how, you know, kind of the crisis that we found ourselves in after Avery was born impacted my marriage. I have never talked about that on any platform ever. So I think that's probably what I'm most excited to share with people, just the real story. And I think it'll surprise them because I'm just, I, I just have no interest in fluff. I have no interest in, in trying to, to print, to paint a pretty picture with how life was. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was beauty to it, but it was, it was freaking hard, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there is no perfect formula, you know, for how to walk it out in marriage. You know, when you're walking through something, that's just, it kind of disconnects you. Grief disconnects you because you, yeah. you kind of, not you kind of, you have to grieve separately and in, in a way that's unique to you. And so I think I went into it thinking we were going to have this shared experience of grief and we were not in and a plus very you're shared. So, you're so wore down because you're. Oh, Yeah. Avery, he's with the other kids. Yeah. Well, this is like a daily thing in our house. It's like everyone's dealing with all the crisis. Then we flop into bed and like, oh, how are you? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like, there's more to this than just this partnership of caring for people mm-hmm. and doing basic mm-hmm. things, you know? Yeah. And we were apart for most of the first year after Avery was born. Like, I lived in the hospital with her, and he had the kids back home. And and you know, I'm just excited to share that story in a way that that people haven't heard it yet. I think it's, I think it will really, really encourage people who are walking through some, some tough things, um, relationship wise. Absolutely. And I think, 
um, for people who already know you and follow you, it's just going to give them a, a deeper look. And for those who you're new to them, and it's just like you're, all your stories there. And there's so much that they're going to be able to pull out of it, especially like, hello, no one is having an easy time of it right now. Like right. nobody in oh the world, goodness. like no problem, no problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, every single person, which I just think this is, again, God's goodness of bringing your book out during this time. Oh, yeah. Because like, everyone on the planet is surrendering their dreams of perfection. Like, yeah. And quarantining together in relationship is just a mm-hmm. very unique <laughs> way of living. So, yeah, there. I, I hope it really encourages people. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm enjoying the book. I know so many other people um, will enjoy the book and I'm so thankful for you and I'm thankful for you for sharing the hard stuff too. Cause again, that's going to be where people's hearts are changed. Their lives are changed and they'll get glimmers of hope in Jesus, which yeah. we all need right now. That's right. All right. So where can people connect? Um, we mentioned Instagram and we'll have all these in the show notes too, but where can people connect with you and find out more information about sky full of stars? Yeah. So Instagram is probably where I spend most of my time. That's where I post kind of our day-to-day stuff. And, um, you know, then I have that link tree in in my, in my bio that has, Mm -hmm. you know, the different, I'm on my blog, which is fourfinelives.com. And then it has all the links to all the places you can buy Sky Full of Stars, which should be anywhere you buy books, which is very exciting. Yay. yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, Meg, I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful for your story and you sharing your heart. And I know others will be blessed. Thank you. I really enjoyed our chat. Well, friends, that was an awesome interview with Meg. I feel like we connected on so many levels of what God has done, even through our hard stuff, stuff that we never wanted to experience. And I'm going to be totally transparent here. There have been times I've been so overwhelmed with the pain of life that I've lifted my face to the ceiling and whispered, God, If you love me, how could you have allowed this to happen? And maybe you feel that way too. Maybe you know God is loving, but you wonder, how could God allow this into my life? If God truly loved me, how could this be happening? God's love and promise and faithfulness shine in hard moments. And I love so much how Meg was able to share that today. And I love the title, Sky Full of Stars, that even in the darkness and only in the darkness can we really see God's faithfulness shining like stars. So for today's walk it out verse of the week, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And that was second Corinthians four, six. Again, I'm going to read it again. Um, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And it really is during those dark times that God's light shines through the darkness. And when we look to Christ, instead of just lifting our faces to the ceiling and complaining, when we look to Christ, there we can see the light of truth, the light of hope, and the light of glory. So I am just so thankful for Meg and her story and Avery and Meg's other kids. And in the book, there's we didn't even go into all the details, but there's been other medical challenges with some of Meg's other kids. And I know when you read it, you will just be amazed how God has shown up to Meg and her family 
time and time again. But first, let me just pray for you. So, dear God, I just pray for every listener out there. And I know so many of us are just going through dark times right now. We wonder, why is this happening? And we don't understand. And I think we will never understand until eternity. But I pray, Lord, that in this darkness, your light may shine. We may look to you. We may look to your face. We may see Christ in new ways. And the love and the light of God will shine through the darkness. I pray for Meg. I pray for her family. I pray for Avery, who is so just inspiring. And if you um, will just bless Avery, Lord, that would be amazing. So thank you for everyone here. Thank you for every listener. And I pray that they will be blessed. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I just love having the opportunity to share these friends, new and old, with you. I love that I get to pull away, um, have conversations, share about the deep things of God, and then go back to normal life. In fact, when I started recording this outro, I was holding a hamster for my son. He was cleaning up the cage. So if you happen to like hear a little squeak, yeah, I mean, not the not a hamster. It was a guinea pig. Sorry, a guinea pig on my lap. This is real life. This is just me as a mom of all these kids pulling away to be able to have these conversations, to talk with amazing people, and to just share what God is doing in our lives. And I think that's so important. So many times in our busy day, we look at our to-do list and we think, I don't have time to pull away. I don't have time to really have conversations or connect with people or listen to a podcast. Um, But really, when we do that, we can be encouraged and inspired. I also wanted to mention something else. I have a new store up on my website. So if you just go to trishagoyer.com and you will see in the top header, it says shop. And so if you click on the shop, I have most of my books are on sale right now. And we would be so grateful if you would be interested in picking up one or two that make wonderful gifts. Because of COVID, my speaking season did not happen. So six conferences were canceled. I had already ordered all the books to sell at those homeschool conventions. And now they're in my garage and in my breakfast nook because we put up a bookshelf with all these books so we can fill the orders. Um, But anyway, if you go to shop there on my website, trishagoria.com. You'll see that most of them are on sale, but I have a special bonus for you, my Walk It Out listeners. For your first order, if you do the coupon code WELCOME, all capital letters WELCOME, you will get 50% off your order. So yeah, some of my brand new releases are like $11.99, $13.99. You put in that WELCOME as a coupon code, and you will get them for 50% off. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to keep that up there. I think for a while. So think about books you want or ones you might be interested in giving for the holiday and use that coupon code WELCOME. Well, friend, again, thank you so much to tuning in to Walk It Out. I pray that you are blessed and inspired. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.